right, here we go with part three of Staying Steadfast. But let me just give you a quick uh, update on Life on the Verge, what's going on. Man, we are so excited. This week, we get to take possession, actually Wednesday, of a 2018 Chevy Silverado with a six-foot, six-inch bed and... uh, it's awesome. We've been driving a 20-year-old vehicle, carrying our stuff back and forth to prisons, and we did a fundraiser. We started in the summer uh, to get a new vehicle to carry our gear. We wanted to carry more gear than we usually care and did carry and didn't have room for it. And so, man, you know, God just, it's just miraculous. It really is. And again, a massive thank you to all of you that listen. I know a few of you that listen that gave substantial gifts. Some of you gave small gifts. Just thank all of you for helping us stay on the road and in prison. God God doesn't forget our sacrifices and our gifts. And he has promised that a generous person will prosper. Those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so you are as much a part of of what we do in going into prisons and refreshing those guys and gals uh, who don't deserve it, by the way, but none of us none of us deserve grace, do we? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yet God not only saves us, but he blesses us uh, even though we don't deserve it. That is grace, and so thank you again so much for that. Quick update on Sue. Some of you may be following. Uh, we kind of had a bump in the road. She developed uh, what may be a blockage in one of her arteries. They found it, quote, by accident. Um, she had gone for something to do with a, a hernia and gotten a, a scan of some sort, a CT scan or something, and uh, her doc- her primary doctor took a look at that and said, it looks like you have a blockage. She was having some sensations in her chest. And so she went for a stress test last week, and thankfully, the results of that weren't too bad. They didn't rush her off to the hospital or anything. Um, As a matter of fact, I learned that if you have a stress test, if it's bad, it'll show up if it's 70% blocked or more, and so it wasn't that bad. So she is waiting on a call from her doctor to probably set up an appointment with a cardiologist and see if she needs a stent or something like that. Nevertheless... We stay steadfast. We press on. We had a great weekend at Clover Hill Church, which is our base church. Preached three services there. Actually preached the sermon four times because I did it on video at the church on Thursday just in case it snowed. So I got a practice run. It it snowed a little, but we still had church, and it was great. What a wonderful, wonderful church. And really the core of my message, I, I talked about the good infection, um, not just our project, but the gospel in general. And I said, you know, Clover Hill, this particular church, and I know several others that have prospered in the middle of this pandemic, while other churches were closing their doors and seeing their incomes drop, this church has just blown up. It's amazing. I mean, they give over a million dollars a year to missions. For the last several years, they've been able to do that. Missions outside of their church, including Life on the Verge, they help us a great deal. They helped us with the truck as well. Um and my point of the message was the blessing is on that church because they have made God's priority their priority. When we talk about, you know, God saving us, why? And why does God give us works to do? And why does God empower us with the Holy Spirit and give us spiritual gifts? What is God's bottom line? It is that none should perish, but all come to repentance, First Peter 3, 9, I believe. And so I want that for my life and your life as well, that no matter what we're doing, our end game is to bring glory to God and draw people to Him. And so it was a wonderful weekend, nevertheless. 
Uh, God bless all those pastors that preach three sermons and worship teams that lead three services. It is a task, mind you. Uh, so that was awesome. Well, we're going to go into part three of staying steadfast. And I guess this will be the last part on this uh, this series. The scripture that we used was 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That word steadfast in the Greek means to be morally fixed, firm in purpose, well stationed, securely positioned, not given to fluctuation or moving off course. The Oxford Dictionary definition of that says not changing in your attitudes or aims. And when Paul says to be abounding in the work of the Lord, he's saying to exceed what people expect, to go beyond the expected measure, above and beyond. And so in part one, we talked about trusting God. We talked about whatever work God has given you to do today, abound in that. It's not always pulpit ministry or ministry on the you know mission field or something like that. It's whatever God has given you to do. If you know that ultimately your goal to be successful in business, for instance, um, you want to provide for your family. You, you you know you want to have nice things, but your big picture is I want to be part of what God's doing in the earth. I want to be generous toward that. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time, so you're that person that says, you know what, I'm going to make a priority of my time is to serve somehow and some way play a part in what God is doing. In the middle of this chaotic world, people are still being saved. People are still being redeemed and restored. And if you make that your your ultimate aim, that's your big overarching deal. Why do you want to have a successful family? Why why you want to be something that causes people to take a second look? And, And sometimes you know, we don't always pull people over the finish line to say the sinner's prayer, which, by the way, doesn't even appear in the Bible, but but rather, we're just planting seeds with our lifestyle. People are watching us go through the trials of life. They're, they're watching how we do life. They know we, we're not perfect, right? We stumble, we bumble, but, but we get back up again, and we correct our wrongs. And so, if that's our aim, then whatever you're putting your hand to, is the work of the Lord. We use Colossians 3.23 as a reference to that. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not, not just working for men. So in part one, we talked about that. Part two, we talked about the demonic distractions that try to get us off our game. I don't want to spend too much time on that, uh, give the devil too much press, but it's a real deal. You know, read the book of Mark, for example, and highlight the word demons or, or demonic Uh, And you will see it everywhere. Jesus cast out demons. There is demonic influence that tries to oppress us, get us off our game, keep us from being steadfast, keep us from being immovable and abounding in the work of the Lord. So I'm going to go into part three. And I read this morning, I opened up my Bible and read a little bit in uh, chapter one of the book of Ruth. I don't have a firm grip on that, but in general, you know, Ruth, uh, rather Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, had uh, married a man, a Moabite. They moved to Moab, as, or Moab, I'll repronounce that as I understand it, and, uh, and, and then uh, her husband died, and her daughters-in-law also married men who died. So Ruth made up her mind to go back to, to Judah, but these women were Moabite women, and, and they said, you know what, we're going to go, one of those women was Ruth, we're going to go back with you to Judah. We will stay with you. Where, wherever you go, we're going to go. As a matter of fact, 
they said, don't, don't urge me to leave. Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. It tells us back uh, in verse 18, when she saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking to her. So what a great example of somebody that made up their mind, I'm going with you whether you like it or not. And staying steadfast means staying true to your convictions, having laser focus and refusing to be distracted or thrown off course. Uh, This obviously means distractions must be eliminated or at least minimized. You've made up your mind. I'm going to do this thing. You know, I don't know how many of you guys watch the NFL, but I'll tell you what, the playoffs have been pretty exciting, crazy, crazy football games. Um, You see those players come out on the field. Sometimes they're wearing headphones. They're trying to block out distractions. They're trying to stay focused. When you know, I watched the uh, Bengals and the Chiefs play, everybody favored the Chiefs to win. They were playing at Arrowhead Stadium. That place was rocking loud. The Bengals won the game. They had to go out there and overcome that distraction of tens of thousands of people roaring, trying to get them off their game. That just blows my mind. Then in the Rams and the 49ers game, uh, there's a kicker for the 49ers who coincidentally lost. But they beat Green Bay the week before, which is amazing, in the snow in Green Bay. They were the away team, and they won by a field goal kick by Robbie Gold is how it's pronounced. It's spelled Gould, but Gold, I understand. Um, but what a funny thing that I understood. I, I, I was curious. I was watching this game last night, and after I think it was a field goal kick, um, one of the uh, players for the Rams got up in the face mask, face mask to face mask with the kicker and said something. I mean, it was aggressive. And you don't see that. Like, what's the deal? Kickers are usually, they come out, do their thing, and they walk off the field. They don't usually get into fights and stuff. Well, as it turned out, Robbie Gold has this practice regimen before a game. And I think it was the Green Bay game. It was one of the games uh, in the past where he went out there and there was uh, the opposing team's cheerleaders were doing their things, but he was determined that he was going to get in his practice kicks and he kicked right over their heads. And it kind of made the news, you know, that, that he was so determined to get his practice in. Well, last night before the game, the Rams were out on the field kind of doing their pregame warmups and Robbie Gold, it showed it, he kicked the ball right over their head. I mean, they were close, but he was out there. He was going to get his practice in. He wanted to be focused, fervent, and flexible. That's where I'm I'm, uh, going with this. I used to tell my youth leaders, look, when we go into ministry, we go into a service, we're doing what we do. We want to be focused and fervent and flexible. We can be all three, okay? We can be flexible with the process without losing focus on the ultimate goal. But fervency is not negotiable. So what I mean by that is that You know, when we would do a youth service, for example, or actually when we did full church, when we were church planters, we could, the goal, the big goal 
was that we want to put on an, a great service for people. We want worship to be great. We want to eliminate distractions. You know, everything, that, even down to the spelling of words on the screen. We didn't like glitches, you know. We wanted it to be done with excellence. So maybe I put my team to work on an idea um, to create some sort of video, and they worked really hard at it and put hours into it. But at the last minute, I really felt the Lord lead me, who was called to be the leader there, to drop that video and do something else. That didn't happen very often, but that's where the flexibility comes in. But we're still going to be fervent. You know, we're still going to be focused on putting on this great service. We just need to be a little flexible. But the fervency is not negotiable. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's very hard to stay steadfast at it. Paul wrote, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Um, When he said that, zeal, the word in the Greek means like a pot of boiling water. It means to be passionate, you know, on fire for whatever it is that you've put your hand to. If you don't have passion about what you're doing, it's very hard to stay steadfast, to be immovable, to be abounding at whatever you're doing. One version, the English Standard Version says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit serve the Lord. Uh, the King James says, not lagging in diligence, but being fervent. So the opposite of being zealous is slothfulness. It means to be lacking in diligence. We're not going to get where we're going if we do that. So we've got to be passionate about what we're doing. So a question that often arises is, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be zealous and passionate about. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I'd first say, like we said in part one, whatever is in front of you, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. But when we talk about setting goals... I want to accomplish something. One problem with the freedoms that we have in America is that the menu is so vast about what what do I go to college for? What do I put my hand to? What do I study? Sometimes when we do that, what we're looking for is a guarantee of success. We don't like uncertainty. What will I be good at? Because I don't want to try too hard at something unless I know I'm going to be good at it. Well, uncertainty is part of the process when it talks about going, when we talk about going after goals. Here's what I would say do a survey of your skills, your abilities, your desires, uh, your opportunities. If you have a spouse, if you have a team or partner um, in business or whatever it is, talk about it and then make a decision and put your hand to that plow and plow. Don't look back. You know, Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service. Now, he didn't say, you're going to hell. He just said, you're not fit. You're not in a position to do anything. So make up your mind, whatever that thing may be, and and eliminate the distractions, or I should say anticipate distractions, and plan your response to them and press that plow. You know, it's great when, I mean, I I think that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then our desires are going to be what He wants for our lives. And so that's where we start, is that we start with a relationship with the Lord. And He's going to stir up and cause us to want things that we were created to do. So it's really important that if honoring God is your ultimate goal, bringing glory to God, you know, somehow being a light in this dark world, um, then you can trust your desires. But sometimes we're scared to admit our desires because they seem 
so out of the frame. I've said before, God is not going to cause me to desire to be a fighter pilot, okay? He's not going to cause me to want that. I'm too short, I'm too old, and I don't like airplanes. <laughs> so he's not going to make me to want that. He's going to cause me to desire the things that he wired me to do with my life. So we delight ourselves in the Lord, and then we we look at our desires. And, and of course, any vision that's going to make an impact is going to look outrageous. It's going to look outlandish. How could this ever happen? And that's where faith comes in. Um another whole topic. We don't know, you know, but we, we, we go with what we got and we start moving. And, you know, I, I've got a friend, listen, when we talk about life on the verge and all that we've been able to accomplish, I mean, you know, we've, did, we've been able to stay on the road and in prison now for over 10 years and minister to, I don't know, prob- I bet we're up to a quarter million inmates in person that we've ministered to, not counting what we've been able to do for the good infection and and just living the dream, really, and what we, we get to do. We've never worked harder in our lives, but we so love what we do uh, and get to do and know that we were wired to do it. You know, when we get in front of inmates, I, I get to do the thing I love, play music and rock out on guitar. But if you took away sharing our testimony in the gospel, well, it would just be empty. I love to play music sometimes just to play music. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't be the ultimate deal. Now, if you did it the other way, if all I did was preach, but I didn't get to play the music I like to play, yeah, that would be great too, but it would fall short of the mark. I'm getting to do both. It's pretty awesome. Now, all of that goes back to the faithfulness of one man, at least part of this, a key person, a key person in what we do in prison, and his name is Don Overby. Don has gone to be with the Lord. But let me tell you what he did. Don was a kind of a reformed biker, you know, outlaw guy that came to Jesus. He he uh, he looked like Gandalf, right? He's this older, tall, not really lanky, but you know, just if you look on my Facebook page, you can probably probably find a picture of him. Long white beard, uh, long white hair, and Don. Every year for many many years. He would rent a house and eventually purchase this house on Main Street in the little town of Sturgis, South Dakota. Well, that is a little town most of the year, except for a week or two in August every year when the largest motorcycle rally in the world takes place. Sturgis, uh, is, you, you've probably seen it on TV. Uh, it, uh, the one year we were there, half a million bikers were there, the 75th anniversary, I think it was. Um well, the first year that, that the first real, real um, I guess, step that, that we took toward doing what we do today didn't have anything to do with prisons. I was invited by another dear friend named Denny Nisley to go out to Sturgis and play music at an outreach for bikers. And so I put together a band, some dear friends, and we went out there and we played for Denny. But I called my friend Jimmy Bratcher, another key person I could talk about, their steadfastness and how it impacted our lives, but I'm talking about Don. Jimmy said, well, I'm playing on Don Overby's stage. Why don't you give him a call, and maybe you could come over and uh, play a set or two on his stage. Now, that house that he would rent in Sturgis, he would build a stage off the front of it, and it was right on Main Street where all the traffic was, and he would bring in Christian rock and blues bands, 
And we wouldn't preach from that stage, by the way. We would have people, Christian bikers, that just ministered to people. We offered food to some of the guys that were down and out on their you know, luck or whatever, and we'd give them bike blessing CDs with our music and, and that kind of stuff. So we put together a bike blessing CD to give away at Denny Nisley's outreach, but now I did call Don, and Don scheduled us to come over and play for one hour. And so we went over there, and we played for one hour, and it was there that I met Tony Loeffler, who is the guy that got me into prison ministry, became my mentor in that aspect, really. I mean, Jimmy as well, but uh, Tony was the first to actually call us alongside to be involved in prison ministry and showed us the ropes. So this isn't about so much about what we've done. It's about the faithfulness of Don Overby. Don traveled in his tour bus. His tour bus that he brought all the equipment, he brought all the sound equipment, all the staging, all that stuff. His tour bus was a Wichita, Kansas city bus. He based out of Kansas, and he got this old bus, and he converted it. Um, It was kind of ramshackle, and it broke down every single year when he tried to get to Sturgis. He would also carry that thing all the way from Kansas to Daytona. We ministered at Daytona Bike Week numerous years with a stage that Don put together there as well. His faithfulness to know that there may be distraction. He always brought a mechanic with him, a big old diesel motor. He knew, And sure enough, he did. He broke down every year, but he stayed steadfast. And so when we put our hand to the plow, when we start moving, one of the things that we've got to do is anticipate and plan our response to distractions because they're going to happen. And uh, there's no doubt about it. We're we're going to have obstacles, and some of it is going to be demonic. Some of it's going to be our flesh getting in the way. Some of it's going to be adversarial people, and some of it's just going to be life. But if we're going to stay steadfast, stay passionate, stay immovable, bounding in the work of the Lord, it is vital that we, we, we know what we're trying to accomplish And even if there's a setback, we say, you know what, it's just a setup for a miracle. We're going to keep moving. And we've seen that happen a lot in our lives. But I wanted to use some people that I know that that's happened with. I've got a dear friend. His name is Rick. He may be listening. Sometimes he does. And uh, Rick wanted his overarching goal is to provide a nice place for his family, especially his wife. His kids are grown. And he had had moved to Florida from Virginia and uh, had a decent job working his butt off and a nice place in Archer, Florida, uh, actually let us stay on the property numerous times. Well, the pandemic shut him down and he ended up losing his job. Wow. Well, now his overarching goal, the thing that he felt was the work of the Lord for him, was to provide for his family, and now he was all jammed up. Let me tell you what he did. His dear wife uh, ended up coming back to Virginia and staying with her mother for months while he went down, found a job. I think his son had moved to the Panama City Beach area. He he went down there and ended up delivering food for uh, one of those companies, DoorDash or something like that. And uh, he stayed, he rented a beat up old trailer in the back of somebody's house and stayed separated from his wife for months, but determined that he was going to get back on his feet. Eventually, he figured out a way. He stayed steadfast. Again, his work of the Lord was to provide for his family. You know, the Bible says if we don't provide for our families, we're worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. So those of us that have families, that is our first work of the Lord. 
And uh, sure enough, he was finally able to get an apartment, bring his wife down there. He kept putting in resumes everywhere to try to find a, a decent, decent job that didn't, uh, you know, I mean, he was making very little money with DoorDash, but just enough. Sure enough, he finally got a great civil job with the town that he now lives in. Two of his three kids have moved down there, and they've established a whole new life in an area that they love. Encouragement here is to stay steadfast, anticipate the distractions, and plan your response. Make up your mind and bear down on that goal, whatever it is. You know, uh, when it comes to setting goals, and this is review for a lot of you guys, but I need it too. Um, When I was in forensics, for example, we went to a crime scene. And one of the first things we had to do is take pictures. Before we contaminated anything, before we walked through the scene, we would take pictures from all four corners of the room. There would be long-distance shots, then there would be medium-distance shots, and then there would be close-ups of each piece of evidence. So we could see where the evidence was at, and then there'd be a close-up, then there'd be a close-up with a, 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 yeah, what's that thing called? Yeah. Scale, okay? There'd be a close-up um, with a, uh, what's the, what am I looking for? A ruler. There you go. Gee whiz, man. I'm, I'm roaring this morning. Um, with a ruler so you could, you know, take the picture to scale. So I take from that, it, when you talk about setting goals, we need long-term goals. That's the big picture. You know, for us, um, some of the big picture items, obviously this year's tour and even next year's tour, as we're putting this year's together, we're thinking about what we can do better next year and uh, you know, even further down the road and putting things together. Um, it's off in the distance. It's foggy, but it's the long-distance goal. We want to record m- more music, so I'm noodling around writing new songs and m- at least pieces of new songs, and so those are long-distance goals. Where's the Good Infection Project going to go? Are we going to expand it to more prisons, you know, sending out resources? We're not sure there. And then we've got this other idea of we're calling it Electric Angel. You know, you're the first to hear about it, by the way. I've been spoken publicly, and I don't, I don't know if it'll get off the ground. It's kind of a long distance thing, but it's part of the big picture. And that's, you know, you've heard of Angel Tree, and that's where Prison Fellowship, I think, started that, you know, getting presents for the children of inmates. Electric Angel is going to be, uh, at least right now, the picture is when we go out this year, we're going to survey prisons and the equipment that the worship teams need and how we can be a bridge to try to provide them with guitars or amplifiers or drums or keyboards or sound systems. Um, they, you know, they, they, We need to equip them. The work, guys, there are worship leaders in prison, and if all they're lacking is equipment, maybe we can find a way to do that. But that's, that's the big picture goals. The midterm goals really comes down to the next few months. It's just this tour. And just last week, I did a master to-do list. Like what I got a to-do list, that a brain dump. I do these every week, a brain dump of everything I want to do in the next, you know, who knows. Um, but what, what must be done? What must be done for us to leave town on this next tour? What's the drop-dead deadline date? that we're going to leave. Right now, it's April 1st. We had to move it because of Susan's doctor situation. Lord willing, we won't have to move it again. Uh, So we had to drop a couple of dates. That's okay. Anticipate distractions. Plan your response. So I did this master to-do list of what must happen 
and eliminate everything else that I can, or at least minimize it, what must happen to accomplish this midterm goal? And then I do that. How do I how accomplish those is the, the close-up daily goal that's going to support the big picture. It's going to support the medium goals. It's going to support the long-term goals. So I, I get up in, you know, today and I go, okay, this week, you know, what, what, what must happen? What, today, what must happen? I write this stuff down. And I, I don't always hit them all. But I ask myself, what will make today a win? Well, for me, today will be a win getting this podcast done, uh, setting up my email to go out tomorrow night or tomorrow morning, rather, um, and uh, going to the dump. I've got a bunch of stuff to dump and cleaning out my garage and making room for this new truck, which is a little larger than the vehicle we have now. We want to be able to bring it into the garage because it's going to be loaded with equipment. and We want the security factor. Um, And so and then working out. And now that's my goal is to get all those things done. And they all support the medium goal. They all support the long-term goal. I'm going to stay steadfast today and try to get that stuff done. And uh, then tomorrow we got to go pick up our RV. It's about an hour away in Fredericksburg where it's had some repairs and maintenance done on it. That's the big goal. Get that RV back to Midlothian so that we can set it up for the trip. Uh, Wednesday, we pick up the truck, and then I'm going to order a bed line, uh, the bed slide and that kind of thing. So long-term goals, midterm goals, daily goals. Uh, I, I couldn't do it without writing it down, looking at it on a regular basis, um, be, trying to be proactive. And, and uh, I can be passionate about the mundane things if I know they support the big picture. So let's just go back to our, our theme scripture here in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, God sees all that we do. He knows our motives. And man, our motives can't be perfect. You know, there's always self involved there, flesh involved there. But we as believers, hopefully our hearts cry is that we want to accomplish things that ultimately bring glory to God. You know, yesterday, my pastor, for example, um, out of our base church, Stan Grant, been my friend for 30 years. And uh, he got up and said some very flattering words about me as he introduced me in all three services. I love his heart. He's got such a heart for the lost. And, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, but I know who I am. <laughs> you know, I'm a flesh creature, man. I'm, he called me a hero of the faith and I'm one of his heroes. And he got everybody to stand up and clap. And, and I'm like, come on, man. You know, I appreciate, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. And I think the same way about him. But we both know that uh, in and of ourselves, we're just flesh creatures but with the anointing of the Lord, we can do some great, great things. And, and I, I think about, you know, I, I just try to show up, and I know Jesus is in me, and I say, Lord, please let me get out of the way and somehow let you shine forth. Even, even in, in my failures when I blow it, you know, uh, I, I know that apart from you, I can do nothing. Jesus said that. And so we set these lofty goals, these things we want to accomplish for the Lord, but we keep a humble spirit knowing that without the Lord, I can't really accomplish anything um, of eternal significance. But if my ultimate motive is, Lord, that's what I want, 
I don't always hit it. Myself gets involved in, in the way sometimes, but that's what I want. I want to make a difference down deep inside. That kind of labor is never in vain. God will remember it, and we will be rewarded for our labor in the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. Stay steadfast, immovable, immovable, abound at whatever work God has given you to do. Set your long-term, mid-term, daily goals and go after it. Put your hand to that plow and press, my friend, in Jesus' name. Have a great week. Sometimes fallen angels fly I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.